This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Welcome to our Squiz the Election series, your shortcut to the 2022 federal election. Elections aren't as easy as plugging in a result that applies to the entire country. There are races being run across the state and territories, and they will dictate where PM Scott Morrison and Anthony Albanese spend their time over the campaign. So in this episode, we'll get acquainted with the thinking behind where and how this election will be fought. I'm Larissa Moore. And I'm Claire Kimball. The election campaign is on and we're already getting a sense of where the Coalition and Labor think is important to their chances of winning the election. The best way of doing that is just watching where they go. Yep. And in this day and age, you'd think that there might be a better way of reaching (laughs) thousands of people quickly, but nothing seems to replace an in-person visit with a media pack, uh, a series of tightly managed events (laughs) and some social media posts showing just how much you enjoyed meeting the locals. Uh, More importantly, just how much they enjoyed meeting you. And we are going to get into what a day on the election campaign looks like for the leaders of the major political parties a bit later. But today we're going to do a recce of Australia and where the key battlegrounds are. Because this is the Morrison government's election to lose, let's start with where their most marginal seat is, and that's in Tassie. Expect to see Scott Morrison and Anthony Albanese in Tassie a lot in this election campaign, uh, particularly in northern Tasmania, and it's actually where the Labor leader spent his first couple of days of the campaign. Uh, The Liberals' most marginal seat is Bass. Its home base is Launceston. Uh, It's the definition of a swing seat. It's changed hands in each of the last four elections. It's currently held by Bridget Archer. Uh, She's been in the national spotlight a lot in recent months for being at odds with her party on issues like an integrity commission and religious discrimination. Yeah, there were some uncomfortable scenes from when she crossed the floor on that. And she will now see a lot of Morrison in the coming weeks as she leans on the Liberal Party for re-election. Next door to Bass is Braddon. Bass and Braddon come in a pair. They tend to do the same thing at elections. So what does it mean about Tasmania? Yeah, there's only five seats in Tassie uh, and just those two are contestable for the Liberals. The others are locked in with Labor and also independent Andrew Wilkie. He comes from around Hobart. Uh, Remember what we said about Labor needing to pick up seven seats to win this election uh, and Bass and Braddon are very much two on their list. Moving on now to Victoria, home of the coalition's second most marginal seat. That's Chisholm. It's held by Gladys Liu. She won it from Julia Banks in 2019, who you might remember was a Liberal who was unhappy about Malcolm Turnbull losing his leadership. She went on to become an independent. And Lou did really well to win that seat at the last election for the Liberals. She holds it, though, with a very small margin. It's just 0.5%, which is just 1,090 votes. Uh, She was born in Hong Kong. She's the first ethnically Chinese woman to ever be elected to the House. Uh, But Victoria is a state that generally supports Labor. Uh, At the last election, the state supported Labor 53 to 47, which was not at all in line with that national result. Labor also benefits from a redistribution in Victoria, making a couple of its danger zone seats more safe. So there's a risk there for the coalition. 
Next up, though, we're heading to South Australia, where the coalition's third most marginal seat of Boothby is up for grabs. Liberal MP Nicole Flint is leaving Parliament. She's said that the harshness of politics is not for her. She won that seat after Andrew Southcott retired after 20 years, but Flint struggled to keep it in coalition hands. Her margin is just 1.4%. The recent South Australian election and Labor's massive win was a shock for the coalition, and questions about Scott Morrison standing with South Australians is definitely a thing. And that means we may not see a lot of Morrison in South Australia if they decide he won't help their chances of re-election. OK, Claire, by my count, we've covered four of the seven seats Labor has in its sights. Where are we off to next? Yeah, let's go to New South Wales. Things start to get a bit safer for the coalition from here. Uh, Labor will need a big swing of more than 3% to get seats in New South Wales, which is doable if the swing is on. But Labor won a majority of New South Wales seats in 2019. But its overall vote wasn't as strong as it would have liked. That means that if the coalition can get a small swing towards it in some areas, uh, it could actually win a couple of seats from Labor. It's hard to overstate New South Wales' importance in this election for both parties. A good result there means a national victory, so no pressure on New South Wales voters. No, no no pressure at all. (laughs) All right, let's look at the two states that have been coalition safe havens that are going to be a bit more tricky this time around. Queensland and Western Australia are always key states for the coalition. At the last election, they won 34 of the 45 seats in the two states. That leaves Labor with 11 seats and there's one minor party member. That's Bob Catter from far north Queensland. Yeah, it sounds great for the coalition, right? Mm. (laughs) But the thing about that is if the coalition loses any seats in Queensland and Western Australia, it has to win them from other states that haven't been as supportive of the coalition in the past. And this is where local issues like those states' handling of COVID uh, and how they've played with Team Morrison is really important. Yeah, got you. For example, I remember coalition supporters were angry with Morrison because he didn't have a go at Premier's Mark McGowan and Anastasia Palaszczuk for keeping their borders closed. Yeah, exactly. But it seems that residents were supportive of their Premier's. So Morrison and his colleagues decided to be very careful uh, about all of that so as not to create friction uh, and damage their standing with those state's electors. Let's start in the West now, though. In 2019, a trend was confirmed that Western Australians might vote for a state Labor government, but they hesitate at voting Labor at the federal level. And when you say vote Labor at the state level, uh, what happened a year ago in Western Australia was incredible. The McGowan Labor government was re-elected by a landslide of gargantuan proportions. There are 59 seats in its legislative assembly uh, and the Liberal Party won just two. Uh, The Nationals won four, so they were completely wiped out. So we're really testing the theory here now in these unusual times. (laughs) One seat to watch is Cowan and that's because it's affected by a redistribution. Yeah, so the seat of Stirling has been abolished and it was held by Liberal Vince Connolly. He's having a go at the neighbouring seat of Cowan, which is held by Labor's Anne Alley. Uh, another seat to watch there is Pierce. Its member was Christian Porter. He's resigned. He, of course, was the Attorney General in the Morrison government who was accused in late 2020 of historical sexual assault. So those seats are going to be a couple of tests for the coalition there. Let's jump over to Queensland. It also likes a Labor state government, but likes the coalition at the federal level. 
At eight of the nine elections since 1996, the Coalition and the LNP has won 19 or more Queensland seats, which is more than double Labor's representation. The Coalition is a little bit different in Queensland. It's a merged entity, which is imaginatively called the Liberal National Party. (laughs) Uh, That happened back in 2010. Queensland has a major impact on federal election results because its voters have given stronger support to the coalition than voters in other states. The last time Queensland preferred Labor to the coalition was at the 1961 election. Yeah, it's a fair way back. Uh, One theory in that is that Queensland has a higher proportion of voters that live distant from the state capital than any other state. But whatever it is, one incredible story from the last election was that 4.3% swing towards the coalition. That left Labor with six seats out of the 30 that were up for grabs. Of course, COVID and locked borders have been a big thing in the last couple of years. There's been a significant impact on Queensland's tourism sector and Queensland is the forefront of some other big issues. Yeah, like mining and climate change. Uh, Some of Australia's biggest mining projects are in Queensland and one seat to watch there is Flynn, where the LNP member Ken O'Dowd is retiring. Uh, And Queensland is also home to the Great Barrier Reef, which is copying a climate change hiding. So there's some tricky issues to balance there. Claire, we can't go without covering the territories. Yeah, that would be outrageous. (laughs) We would never. (laughs) The ACT, its three seats are safely held by Labor and there's no thinking that that's a situation that will change anytime soon. That's right. The Northern Territory is a bit more interesting, though. Longtime Labor MP Warren Snowden is retiring from Lingiari, which covers most of the Northern Territory apart from Darwin. Uh, he's been there for more than 20 years and he has a very strong personal following. So there's a question about whether the CLP, which is the coalition-aligned country Liberals, uh, can have a go there. Their candidate is the former Alice Springs Mayor Damien Ryan, He's up against Marion Scriminger. Uh, She's an Indigenous woman who was the Deputy Chief Minister at the Territory between 2007 and 2009. It's pretty doubtful that the leaders will spend much time in the Territories, but Lingiari might see some action this campaign. All right, that's our trip around Australia done. During this series, we'll take a closer look at some of those seats that we've mentioned because the battles taking place in those seats will likely decide the outcome of the election. Yeah, and it's always nice on election night to know a bit more about those battles so that you can read the result a bit better. And quite frankly, who doesn't like sounding informed (laughs) on election night? We've definitely got you covered for your facts and stats on election night so you can impress everybody. Don't forget about our podcast series, Ask the Squiz. Email us your questions about the election, about politics, about how government works, whatever is on your mind, to hello at thesquiz.com.au or DM us on social media. We'll pick the top few for our new Saturday podcast where we'll cover off all the questions that you need answering. Thanks for listening to this episode of Squiz the Election. We'll catch you next time. We talk a lot about cybercrime and hacking because almost every day there seems to be some breaking news about another big data breach. But NordVPN can help protect you online 
kind of like a cyber bodyguard. It protects your personal and sensitive data while you're online to stop it from falling into the wrong hands. That way, you don't have to worry about keeping your identity and private data safe every time you log on. And even if you make a mistake and click on a dodgy link or open a suspicious email, NordVPN's threat protection will kick in and delete it before it makes a mess of your computer. To find out more and get a great discount, visit NordVPN. NordVPN.com forward slash squiz today.